0: Praise the Lord, beloved people. This is Repent North America, and I'm your host, Senior Pastor Trace McCraw from the Ministry of Repentance and Holiness in the United States in Maryland, and we're all led in the U.S. by the Blessed Senior Archbishop Louis Lupo, who is also the General Overseer of North America. And we're all under the authority and the instruction of the mightiest, mightiest, most glorified, most dreadful, terrible prophets of eternity most dreadful prophets of the Lord Jehovah Yahweh, the ones who struck the earth with coronavirus on December 1st, 2015 and ravaging locust plagues. In this segment, we're going to look at the powerful midweek service that was held on March 17th, 2021, with the two most glorified prophets of heaven, most honored, most treasured prophets of heaven. And without any further delay, we'll go straight into the message.
1: in our lead
2: Scripture tonight H- Kuminane, la leo. verses
1: 25
2: to 35 we are going
1: to go step by step it's a long night tonight
2: na hatua kwa hatua kwa ni he says leo.
1: large crowds we are traveling with Jesus
2: umati wa watu na yesu.
1: let me see other versions of
2: what they are saying
1: Luke chapter 14 blessed
2: people
1: Verses
2: 25-35. On such
1: a beautiful night.
2: The gospel
1: night. The night of the
2: gospel. Because Friday is a healing service. And
1: it says in verse
2: 25 here.
1: He says, NIV, large crowds were traveling with
2: Jesus. And King James, he says,
1: and there were great multitudes with him.
2: New
1: American Standard
2: says,
1: large crowds were going along with him.
2: Amplified says, a
1: huge crowd were going along with Jesus. So large crowds were traveling with him.
2: Trampling with Jesus. Large
1: crowds were going along with him.
2: You remember that time?
1: Jesus had fed
2: thousands. He had
1: done the wonder of making bread, and
2: people ate their fill of bread. That was an agrarian
1: society,
2: agricultural
1: whereby bread used to lack at that time.
2: There, was a, there wasn't enough
1: bread. There was scarcity of bread as it is
2: today.
1: There was lack of bread.
2: And then
1: now comes somebody that makes bread and people eat their fill
2: of bread. And that's why
1: a large crowd followed
2: him. And if you
1: examine that movement, he must have picked them from the Galil of the
2: Gentiles oh, and,
1: and on the other side of the Transjordan across the Jordan, Transjordan.
2: Because
1: sometimes the Hebrew people themselves my people were not following so close they rejected him.
2: By people, watu wango, they
1: rejected him such that those following him may not have been such a large crowd.
2: But if you take
1: the multitude from the Galil of the Gentiles here,
2: and also across
1: the transjordan this
2: way (laughs) those that were
1: not hebrew you know they followed in large numbers
2: trans
1: the jordan river
2: transjordan
1: so together with the hebrews that
2: followed large
1: crowds, huge crowds were traveling with jesus
2: Some of them were coming because of that
1: bread that he made and they ate.
2: Some
1: of them were coming because of the mighty miracles they saw him performing. Some of them were coming because they had children that were sick. They had their loved ones that were crippled, blind, and they wanted solution
2: from Jesus. Blind, deaf,
1: mute, and they wanted answer, Solution from the healing power of Jesus.
2: Some of them were coming because
1: you know he had resurrected he could resurrect a dead person that is the wonder
2: Some of
1: them were coming because he talked to the weather he changed the weather, the storm in the sea
2: and the wind came
1: down. Some of them were coming.
2: Because
1: of his oratory, the way he preached, nobody spoke like him. The sayings of Jesus, they loved it, they enjoyed it.
2: Some of them laughed. Some of them loved
1: the way the Pharisees engaged with him and the way they, they throw a question to him and then he would be able to take the same question and then mix it up and throw it back to them. So it was such a stunning moment to see that confrontation and the level of wisdom and intelligence he had
2: he would defeat
1: them in a contest.
2: Some of them laughed.
1: The parables he used to preach his message.
2: And he
1: used parables that are very rich and very deep that People could scratch their hair and then later he would give the solution. No. So they loved that. They sat down with their loved one and they said, I told you. I told you you would say a parable. Look at that now. Preach it, man. Preach it, man. So they, they would. Uh, they, they, they became fans. They became uh, they celebrated him.
2: They unakaka loved unakaka it, vile. they enjoyed it. So they
1: so became
2: more
1: like people who were celebrating him. You know, maybe fans or something, but celebrated him
2: wakageuka. in the way he talked wa kuwa kama mashabiki wake na kumshereheke jinsi, jinsi ambavyo alikuwa anazungumza Some of them came Wengine na because
1: it that they were looking for a king to be able to deliver them from the oppressive rule of the Romans
2: Kwa sababu walikuwa na mtafuta mfalme ambaye atawakomboa kutokana na zile sheria za kugandamiza za Warumi
1: and so he's saying in that mix,
2: large crowds
1: were traveling with
2: Jesus.
1: And today in the church too,
2: there are
1: large crowds that are traveling with Jesus.
2: They are
1: coming because they want to get something from Jesus.
2: They are coming because they, they,
1: coming because they have a creeper, blind, a deaf, and they want to get a solution from Jesus.
2: They are coming because it is politically correct for you to tell somebody in your
1: neighborhood
2: look, I am born again. Some of them are
1: coming because it's politically correct to say in your office workspace, tell people, hallelujah, praise the Lord. So you are trustworthy. You appear like you got it together. You are not a vagabond. You are not a drunkard. You are not somebody irresponsible. So when they they say they are born again, it's politically correct. Presents them well in their office and their neighborhood.
2: Some of you are coming
1: to church today.
2: Because you
1: need an answer. You need a solution. Some of you come to preach because it's an easier way for you to get some money to put food on the table.
2: Kwa 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 ya ya mkate meza. People come for different reasons. What to for that time, kwa kwa huo. also. Light crowds were
1: traveling with
2: Jesus.
1: Looking after those solutions. Looking for those solutions. Looking for how to benefit
2: themselves. And
1: today also light crowds are traveling with Jesus in the church. Looking for quick solutions for this
2: life. I have
1: a job interview tomorrow. Let me go to church.
2: On Sunday. I have
1: a sick person. I need Jesus to heal this
2: person. And
1: Jesus, seeing this, understanding that they got it wrong,
2: then he turned
1: to them and
2: said, If anyone comes to me and
1: does not hate his father,
2: and
1: mother wife
2: and children brothers and sisters oh yes even
1: Such a person cannot be a Christian. Such a person cannot be my follower.
2: Such a
1: person cannot be my disciple.
2: Such a person
1: cannot enter the kingdom of Radka.
2: Such a person cannot see
1: God. And at that time, Jesus is speaking to the Hebrew society.
2: Let me tell you something about the Hebrew society. There
1: are many festivals and
2: feasts.
1: Every festival and feast comes with its own foods.
2: For example, Hanukkah
1: comes with the Hanukkah donuts.
2: Mandazi. So
1: Hanukkah donuts that are prepared in different ways.
2: Pesach. Pesach
1: comes with Pesach
2: foods.
1: So every single festival
2: Kwa hivyo, kila comes
1: with its own foods. But even most
2: importantly, every
1: festival is a family event.
2: People
1: travel from all over the world for family reunion to observe Sukkot, to observe Pesach,
2: to observe
1: Rosh Hashanah, to observe Yom Kippur. There are many festivals.
2: so the family is a very important
1: institution in the Hebrew society every festival is a family gathering you see the different families of traveled, different members of the family have traveled from all over they are now gathered together you hear Shana Tova Mazal Tov you hear such 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 blessings in the air. Shana Tova Mazal Tov.
2: You hear them greeting gr-
1: greeting one another with a lot of exchanging pleasantries. Because it's a family event. They are gathered together around a meal. Around food, a meal
2: and that is what happened
1: with the entire Middle East the family is a central institution
2: whether you are talking
1: about the Galil of the Gentiles
2: the kineret, 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 Mefula,
1: kibbutz metura
2: or you are talking about
1: Jordan and Petra, Petra. or you are talking about Esophia, the homes of the the, 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 the Druze,
2: Druze. or Kifarkana,
1: kifarkana.
2: or Natsarit, or you are
1: talking about Golani, it does not matter whether you're talking about Tel Aviv yafa the family is very central so you can imagine when Jesus turned around and told them that if anyone comes to follow me is to follow me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sister yes, even his life He cannot be my disciple. You can imagine the shock, the shock that struck them.
2: Hibasi Mawazakuazia, Wakatiamba po Yesu Alipogeoka, Nakwamuya Kwamba, Yeyate Ambaya Anataka Kunifata, Naeham Chuki Babayake, Wala Mamayake, Walam Kewake, Wala Watetuake, Walanduguzake, Dedazake Nam, Hata Maishayake Wenyewe, Muawaza Kwaze Ulam Stuko Lewagonga.
1: You can imagine the shock that hit them.
2: Muaaza Kuaziaulam stuko lewagonga.
1: When he says that for you to follow him, you must hate your father
2: and
1: hate your mother remember the father and the mother that were your parents they were your parents
2: they changed
1: your
2: diapers they washed you when you were young they took
1: you to immunization they passed you through bar mitzvah
2: They passed you through bar mitzvah, they nurtured
1: you, they washed you, they took you to school, They gave you food. They cared for you. They ensured until you are settled.
2: And continue to love you even when you are married. And he's saying that
1: now you must hate your father.
2: And hate your mother. And hate your wife. And hate your children. Hate
1: your brothers and sisters.
2: And then hate your life. It It sounds
1: more like maybe an African cult or something like that. It
2: sounds sounds something strange.
1: How do you hate your father?
2: When
1: God gave a command in the book of Exodus 20, 20 verse verse 12, He said, Honor your father and mother.
2: The book
1: of Exodus chapter
2: 20.
1: Read with me there verse
2: 12. Says the following. It
1: says, honor your father and your
2: mother. So that
1: you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving
2: you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: And yet Jesus
2: now comes with
1: a religion.
2: That
1: sounds more like a
2: cult.
1: And he says, if anyone is to come after me and follow
2: me. Because he saw
1: so many traveling towards him. Sababu, going with him, along with
2: him. As
1: though following
2: him. Then he turned to them. Said, so do you really
1: know what it means to follow
2: me? If anyone comes to me and does not
1: hate the father,
2: his father Baba yake,
1: and mother, na mama yake, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their life, this part of their life will handle. That is what Jesus said. The world will hate you
2: he is and
1: persecute you and want to kill you.
2: If you don't hate all
1: that, such a person cannot be my
2: disciple. Such a
1: person cannot be my
2: follower. Such
1: a person cannot be a Christian, Christ
2: follower. Such
1: a person cannot be a Christian believer.
2: This was
1: such a bomb Jesus threw to the present day church.
2: Especially
1: the way they love their
2: husbands.
1: They worship them. The way they love their wives. They worship them. The way they love their their children. They worship them as small gods they say I'm not able to come to church to your church because my son has a friend in the other church he wants me to take him to the other church he does not want to come this way
2: why? he says such
1: a person cannot be a believer cannot be saved cannot be born again cannot see the kingdom of God cannot follow Christ to the kingdom of glory where he is
2: Kamahuyo, how has the Kuamu Mini, to Kamahuyo, how has the Kuakoka, to Kamahuyo, how has the Kuzaliwatana, to Kamahuyo, how has the Kumfata Mungo, how the Kateka Milele?
1: Verse twenty seven of Luke fourteen.
2: I'm just reading through our lead scripture and then I'll come back to come through it with a toothpick. Verse 27, Luke 14. And whoever
1: does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple.
2: And we know too well that in those days in the promised land when
1: somebody was condemned to crucifixion by the cross, on the
2: cross,
1: they carried their cross as the Roman soldiers were beating him, taking him to
2: crucify. Fica a cabeça, ele ainda and anybody
1: that carried their
2: cross going through that gate going to the
1: hill where they are going to be crucified it was a
2: one-way traffic they never ever came back to the city they
1: were crucified there
2: and theirs ended there never
1: did you hear that he came down the cross he came back and entered the city
2: So he's saying here, and
1: whoever does not carry their
2: cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He's saying that the Church of Christ must first of all crucify their flesh on the cross so that where i am there also you may be if i was on the cross that the way
1: to heaven where i am passes through the cross but what is this you are seeing
2: today that
1: they carried their cross
2: then a short
1: while later they come back to the
2: city they
1: come back to the church the old man that was supposed to have been crucified one way traffic
2: and
1: he goes on to say verse 28 we are just reading through the scripture
2: Suppose
1: one of you wants to build a
2: tower.
1: Remember, towers were built in those days that you can see from far.
2: You can see what is coming from afar.
1: They were for security and safety. The towers were for homeland
2: defense.
1: That you can see
2: whatever
1: is coming from afar and alert the people. In this city,
2: a lot the people
1: in this homestead,
2: you could
1: see the horsemen racing and coming with a lot of dust behind
2: them, and
1: then you can report, and people go into their underground under
2: keys, the soldiers come.
1: Come out with the machetes and the spears and the shields and
2: guard the home.
1: The women and children pushed into the underground
2: holes.
1: So, the tower was important.
2: Every
1: city had a tower.
2: When you're
1: approaching a city, you see its tower with its flag. So, suppose, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a
2: tower.
1: Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost? To see if you have enough money to complete it.
2: Verse 29. For if
1: you lay the foundation
2: and are
1: not able to finish it,
2: everyone
1: who sees it will ridicule
2: you. Saying, this
1: person began to build and wasn't able to finish. This is very powerful.
2: He's saying
1: that a multitude was following
2: Jesus.
1: They were walking along. They were traveling with Jesus.
2: And he's saying there
1: is a difference between traveling with Jesus and enjoying his talk, his preaching, his preaching,
2: Parables. enjoying his miracles celebrating
1: him as a celebrity there is a difference between difference between traveling with
2: Jesus and
1: following Jesus
2: and
1: being a follower of
2: Jesus the follower literally learns from him. A disciple
1: learns from him.
2: A believer
1: learns from him.
2: A Christian learns his ways. But
1: those who are walking along, they are not followers. So he was making that distinction to them.
2: And
1: making it clear to them that there is a cost.
2: There is a cost
1: cost of following Jesus.
2: Now you
1: may be wondering and saying, now we were told that the grace is free of
2: charge. Now
1: the same Jesus is saying there is a cost.
2: You know
1: sometimes,
2: you need
1: to read and read deep.
2: You need
1: to understand that once you receive the grace and you are delivered, Born again, properly regenerated.
2: These things will automatically come out of you. You will be alert to this cost.
1: And you will comply. It
2: was a very powerful and, and lovely
1: and very
2: anointed heavenly message
0: from heaven. Only the two olive trees of Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 11, can pour out such rhema, such oil. The power of the Holy Spirit to do this. There's no words I can use to compare uh, the anointing. The anointing is incomparable. And they revealed what it really means to be a Christian. They referenced the scripture in Luke, chapter 14, uh, verses 25 on down to 32. And in that scripture, you see, the bible replaying in real time that there's salvation that is offered to us you know just take a look at verse 25 of, of luke chapter 14. he said large crowds were following jesus they were traveling with jesus and so it is with the church today that many people even in the ministry many people come to the lord they come to the mightiest might prophets, of the lord this ministry because they see the cripples walking they need solutions, they have cripples too, there's all these sicknesses they want healed. Or even worse, the gospel prosperity where they think that, what is, what's in it for me? When they consider salvation they take the benefit of, how do I benefit off of it? About filling their stomachs, about putting their school, uh, their children through school, paying for mm-hmm. school fees. It's always, uh, what can I get out of it? It's the same self-centeredness that was inside Lucifer before he fought, we fell. And you see the revelation behind pride is that self-centeredness. So he was looking at these people, and he knew that they were there following him because Jesus, he fed them bread. 5,000 plus, he fed them bread. He fed them uh, all food, heavenly food, the manna from heaven. He gave them solutions. He had so much anointing and, and, and intelligence and wisdom that even when opponents would come to him, He would take the question, twist it around, and put it back at them in such wisdom and parables. And no one could compare to the teachings of Jesus because he taught as one who had authority. And we're seeing the same thing today with the mightiest, mightiest prophets. Their teachings have been so astounding. Really, the scripture has been fulfilled in Matthew chapter 17, verse 11. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Godhead himself, he said that Elijah will come and restore all things. And we're seeing that right now. That Elijah is restoring all things. He's even giving us the, the revelation behind scriptures and the, you know the word says that we perish for lack of knowledge and then also that when we misconstrue the scriptures when we twist them it's to our own destruction. You read that in the New Testament. But to get into the message that was on March 17th 2021. It was the global glorious midweek revival service. The best services no one can even miss. I, I encourage everyone before we start off to tune in to those services it is a no miss especially during coronavirus that there's no churches meeting right now because we don't want to hurt the sheep and you guys are the sheep of Christ you don't belong to us so we shouldn't be asking for money in your in your po- in our pockets from you or and to and to risk your health at the same time we don't want to lose any of you so that's why the Lord has opened this portal to heaven and Nairobi the head altar and Isaiah 1919 altars established where cripples walk, blind and see people, paralytics are healed, even the US from Nairobi, just by a single decree. So I recommend everyone to tune in to the glorious uh, global services each Wednesday and each Friday um, on Repent and Prepare the Way, YouTube. And you can also tune into Jesus Lord Radio info. But the message on March 17th was sharing about how there's large crowd, a large crowd that was following Jesus for different reasons. And we had to put yourself in in, in, in the shoes of, of, of the scripture. You have to see it how it is real time. The mightiest, mightiest prophets were sharing that when you look at the large crowd behind you in that scripture, multitudes, multitudes of people, that the Lord Jesus didn't take the opportunity to to for an altar call. Like some of us would, that we see a lot of people, let's lead them to Jesus. But the biggest problem, and it's always been the number one concern, um, for people, for taking salvation, understanding the cost of salvation, that yes, people come for healing, people come for things, you know, it's good to seek healing from Jesus. This, This nation needs healing, you know, especially when there's half a million dead in this nation, about half a million. But salvation is about Him. The kingdom of God, we're to serve the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not for us. And that's what we confuse in the United States of America, that we preach this funny, funny gospel about money, about cars, about sow a seed, get a miracle, and we're depriving the poor widows and orphans of eternity because we're saying they're too poor to enter church, and we need to repent. It's not right that we're doing that. It's really unholy and ungodly because the Lord even says, Lord Jesus says that, how can a rich man enter heaven it'll be harder for him to go through uh, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter and you see that's what we've come with to Jesus on our own terms but salvation is on his terms even a day of rapture is on his terms when a rapture happens he's going to come when he wants however he wants how he wants he's not going to wait on us to finish repenting that's why we need to repent now because even the Lord Jesus can come in the next day the next year any second from now but salvation, he wanted people to understand, before the salvation prayer, before leading them to Jesus, before leading them to Him, to the Father, he wanted people to understand the cost of salvation. And he defined it in three conditions, and he read it in Luke chapter 14, and I'll start off in Luke chapter 14. This is the scripture that the Lord gave, the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord gave to us on March 17, a powerful, powerful scripture, in Luke 14. He says this in verse uh, we can start at 25 and the subtitle my bible it says the cost of being a disciple so verse 25 large crowds were traveling with jesus and turning to them he said verse 26 if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes even their own life such a person cannot be my disciple that is the first term of conditions when you. Surrender your life to Jesus when you receive salvation. That you may want to go to heaven, but are you aware there's a cost? That North America, are you aware there's a cost for salvation? That just how Jesus paid the cost for salvation for us, the horrendous cost on the Christ. There's a cost on our behalf too, because the Lord Jesus will never ask anything that he didn't do for us. So when he asks us to hate brother, hate sister, hate father, even see he's done that with, with the, uh, the the earthly uh, uh, mother, mother and, and brothers he had. That you uh, read in the scriptures, someone said, uh, Oh, Jesus, your relatives are here. And Jesus said, Who, who are my brother? Who are my sisters? The, the ones who do the will of the Father. So you see the same thing here. But I, I want to share about the cost, the first term of condition about being a disciple. He says that if anyone comes to me, they must hate father, mother, wife, and children. So you see that he's sharing the family-ism, if I can say the familyism that is so embedded in cultures, really in in, in African and Spanish and Middle Eastern, specifically cultures, very tight knit, which is a good thing. You know, they all live together, they support each other. But he was warning on the idolatry of familyism, the idolatry of family, that people raise themselves above Christ inside marriage, inside um, brothers and sisters and the family. That some people don't even go to church because their child says, Oh, daddy, I don't want to go to that church. My friend is on, is the other church. This church is too strict. And you see that the entire family goes to another church. And that is the idolatry Jesus warned. He's saying, hate your mother, hate your father. It's the same Bible that says, honor your father, honor your, your mother. But when it comes to, to the kingdom of God, that they cannot guide... Your spirituality, you can't guide your spiritual walk, so you have to disconnect from them. If they're supporting you, we we bless the Lord very much because uh, those are your real brothers and sisters that they want you to succeed in holiness. When they see holiness, they're happy, they see repentance, they're happy. But those who fight the gospel, who fight holiness, who persecute you, and it's really something, especially in in marriage, because in America, specifically, you know, Disney Channel, all these movies, all these romance and myths, and, and all these things that we idolize those things, romance, those romance books, those filthy books, more than we do the Bible. And Jesus is saying that in marriage, that Jesus is still number one. And, and that's why you even read in uh, in Matthew that one of the signs that Jesus will come back is that people will be in marriage and giving in marriage. That you look in the United States of America, so much people have given into marriage. They've given to the idea of marriage, and when they got married, they've given into marriage. That They gave up. They gave up salvation because their wife was an idol. That the, the wife determined which church the person went to. As you know, when someone gets divorced, the, the parents, uh, they're split and, and the wife gets the children. They get full rights. That You see the idolatry, even in the system, is, is designed to, to get all of us focused on man, on created things. And, and that's not possible because the Lord, you he he read in Exodus, in Exodus 20, you read the Ten Commandments that you shall have no idol before me. You shall have no God before me. Those are the first two commandments, the warning about idolatry. Because we serve the ancient God of Israel, Jehovah Kana, the one who killed thousands in the desert for sin. And yet in this generation, in this church in the North America, we're abusing the grace on national TV for Muslims to watch and, and all other idol religions to watch and making them think that their idol religion is better than Christianity. When Christianity is the only religion with power, the only power has the the efficacy of the gospel, delivers someone completely from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of righteousness, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of glory, the kingdom of the new Jerusalem, the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus warned Mm -hmm. about the idolatry and family that we see in Luke 14 as the first term and condition that you have to hate everyone. Everyone, that if they raise themselves above Jesus, hate those ones, but if they support you, those those are the ones that you want, those are the ones that you love, because those are the ones that Jesus said, they do the will of my Father. The second term of condition is to pick up your cross, again, in marriage, there is no cross in marriage nowadays in this modern Christianity, that people think they need to get complete by being married, that, oh, I'm a pastor now, I have a big congregation leading many people, I have nice suits, whatever. And I have a nice car. I need a wife to be complete. It's that fairy tale lie of the enemy that you need someone to fulfill your joy. That many people go into these immoral, ungodly relationships of boyfriend and girlfriend, and of, of husband and wife of lust. Not, it's not chosen by God. You see, even in Genesis, that it's the Lord who married Adam and Eve. They didn't marry themselves. And you see that even in the United States, we're marrying each other because of sexual lust. Because oh, she looks good or I want this person to be my wife. That is not what the Lord is calling us to do. He's even saying in marriage that the Lord is supposed to be number one, but the idolatry is so rife that people give up salvation. That the wife will say, if you go to this church, I'm divorcing you. And what they'll do, they'll choose the wife. That people are competing with Jesus. Created thing is is competing with creator. And in the United States of America, we really, really need to repent for even having such an evil thought to try to compare ourselves, exalt ourselves to God. That's a characteristic of the Antichrist, the little horn who came to heaven. He tried to exalt himself. See what Lucifer tried to exalt himself above the Lord. And who is like the Lord? Who can wage war against him and win? No one. So when these people are competing against the Lord, it it, it will not end well. It never will. Because the Lord will always win. He always will judge sin. And there's two things that the Lord warned about. Sexual sin and idolatry that death must come, and you flee from sexual sin and idolatry. Those are the two sins where the Lord says, flee, run away, don't handle it, don't manage it, get away. That's how serious the idolatry is, so he said, hate your family. And you see the same thing with uh, Abraham, Uh, the term of conditions he had to surrender everything. You know, we're a generation that's self-possessed, a generation of possessions, where our whole life is on accumulating accumulating nine to five, sometimes it's even nine to nine, 12-hour, 16-hour shifts, and then we die. And I've never seen anyone buried with their houses. I've never seen anyone buried with their degrees. It doesn't go with them to the eternal realm. Because woe unto those who invest on the earth. That we have to focus on the kingdom of God. And when we focus on the kingdom of God, persecution must come. But there's been persecution even in marriage where people have given up in marriage, fulfilling scripture about those who are giving up and giving in marriage. So the Lord's saying, surrender everything. And there's a classic example, classic example in Genesis chapter 22 with Abraham. That even We can start at verse 12. In verse 12, the Lord called Abraham. And you know, when, when we think of a calling on our lives, especially in the North America, United States, we think God is coming to bless us with money, with earthly things. But I have news for you. If a blessing doesn't lead you to the kingdom of God, to the, to the Father, that blessing is from another one. Yes, it's true. It's possible to be blessed by the enemy. And you see so many people blessed by the enemy, the rich man and the rich fool. They thought they had everything, and then what happened? They woke up in hell, shocked, because they believed the lie of the gospel prosperity. And now you see the rich man is repenting, never ever wanting anyone to go through the horrendous suffering he's going through, asking just for even a a, a drip of water on his tongue. But in Genesis 12, the Lord calls Abraham. Abraham at the time and he says go and leave your family go to a country I'll show you that it's astounding that calling that he told Abraham to pick up and go and you see as a father of faith that Abraham is he, he went but I want to ask you Christians in North America put yourself in Abraham's shoes and we'll get there in both scriptures but in Genesis chapter 12 put yourself in his shoes he said, the Lord said, leave your family. Leave familiarity. Because they knew they would undermine the calling of God in their lives. And how many have been undermined in their families by the calling of God? That some people can't even minister to people and their families because they don't take them seriously. They think it's a joke. They just think, oh, it's a little brother or it's a little sister. But I have news that the calling of God is even higher than the president of the United States of America. Because the church is the one leading the kingdom of God. It's not President Joe Biden who's going to lead this country to the kingdom of God. It's the church that's supposed to lead the country to the kingdom of God. But how are we going to lead them? We're going the opposite direction. And you see that the familiarity is what the Lord wanted to break so that he can be faithful. Abraham can be faithful to the Lord. And really, if you put yourself in the shoes of Abraham, he said, leave your family, leave your house, leave everything. So all the stuff you accumulated, all those jobs you worked for, all those, everything, D- degrees, diplomas, call everything you leave it and follow the Lord because he's saying that there's a city that's built not with human hands it's better than this one because we know it's perishing and a coronavirus attests to that it tells you that the rapture is at the corner prepare the way the messiah is coming and or else you'll slide into the tribulation into the damnation but for those who are in righteousness who are rep- repenting in holiness listening submitting to the authority of the two mega prophets of eternity Those ones will see eternal life in Jerusalem. And the next scripture I I want to uh, link in as well about why Jesus said you have to hate family in order to love uh, God. And just to set it clear, because you might be thinking that um, just love your neighbor. The Bible says, love your neighbor. The Bible says, honor your your parents, love your parents. You know, love your wife, love, love your neighbor as yourself. But what he's saying is that your love for jesus the priority is so focused on him it's number one all the time that in comparison in comparison to whoever spouse uh, brother sister uncle whoever it looks like hate and and you read that in in malachi uh israel they ask oh how how have you loved us you know they're contesting the lord saying how have you loved us and really, if the Lord says, I loved you, where is the room for any more love? God is love. But he was saying that, I loved Jacob, but Esau hated. So you see that in comparison, the Lord showered so much blessings on, on Jacob and loved him that Esau it looked like he hated him. So that's what he's saying. It's a hatred by comparison. It's not that you go out of your way to despise or to not like. Because at the end of the day, the Lord wants no wicked person to enter hell. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Everybody. It doesn't matter who it is, what they did. Paul, murderer, was a complete murderer. Yet he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament he's in heaven. Just the mercies of our God that are unexplainable, unfathomable. There's no breath, depth, or height of the love and mercy and compassion of our God. But in Genesis 22, I want to end here. Genesis 22, you see that Abraham is commanded to go take sacrifice isaac isaac the one and only son in old age the beloved son the son they wanted for they wanted uh for a long time the the son of the promise that all nations would be blessed for isaac now mm-hmm. the lord is saying sacrifice him and the first thing you know many christians they would have the question of doubt in their head and they'll say god is this really you or they'll consult 10 pastors and say, is there a prophet of the Lord in the land to see if that voice is true? But well, you see what Abraham did, which is very powerful. It says early the next morning he left. That when it comes to the matters of God, you go do, then you ask him later. And that's the problem with the church in North America. We're characterized by disobedience. And you see that Abraham did not tell his wife and how many of us in our christian marriages that we have to consult our wives on spiritual matters on, on instructions of the lord and when it when salvation there's no room for two it's a one way street so you see that he, he didn't tell sarah because sarah would have said oh you need prozac you need to go to the counselor that uh you're trying to kill me this one this is we're going to divorce and he would have got the neighbors to come in and try to kill abraham but Abraham simply got up and went, he didn't consult anything, anybody, and he took his servants with him, and at the time that he was going to go up the mountain, he told his servants that we'll go up there for some time and we will be back. He didn't say, I will be back, even though he's slaughtering Isaac. That the father of faith, Abraham, had so much faith, he believed that the Lord was able to resurrect Isaac, because the promise was in, in him that the Lord must, the Lord is must resurrect. And that goes to show as a barometer, the acid test. Even you ask yourself, I even asked myself. Because the Bible says, when the Son of Man returns, will there be any faith remaining? That the problem of why Christians are not walking in holiness, why well, we're not walking in righteousness, because we don't have faith. That if you had faith, then you would walk in righteousness. If you had faith, then you would walk in holiness. It's not, it doesn't work the other way around. That you walk in holiness, then you get faith. You read in the Bible that Abraham believed and it was credited to him the righteousness of God. He didn't work for it. He didn't work for it to get it. It was the faith that was the initiator. And it's the end of salvation, as the Bible says, from faith to faith. But to conclude, you see that we can fast forward in Genesis 22 on down the chapter that Abraham was right about to sacrifice the boy. right about to sacrifice Isaac. And Isaac, he didn't even know what was going on, he asked him, Father Abraham, where's where's the rain? And uh, Abraham said that the Lord will provide. And truly enough, the Lord did provide because the Lord saw his faith. He he tested Abraham. Genesis 22, verse 1, we're not reading, but it says the Lord tested Abraham. He went to see who was priority number one in Abraham's life. So my question to, to you is to ask yourself, is Jesus the first priority in your life? or is it yourself, and what you want, or your family? Because the terms of the gospel is to hate mother, hate brother, hate father, hate family, take up your cross and follow him, and surrender everything. You see, Abraham did all those things. Literally, in comparison, it seemed like he hated Sarah, he didn't even tell her that he was gonna go sacrifice Isaac, he took up his cross, the boy Isaac took up the cross the wood he was carrying for the altar that was symbolic of the cross that Jesus carried to be sacrificed for our sins and Isaac, that was supposed to be us that Jesus on the cross, we abused him so much but w- the question really is that would we abuse the grace of God if we had to pay for all of our sins on the cross that every time we sinned we're the ones feeling the tonguing of the cross and that's what's going on with the Lord Jesus in heaven that we're crucifying him afresh every day. And he's traumatized because we're always reminding him of the torture and the pain that he endured on the cross. That delivered us. So There's no way that we can be halfway in salvation. And don't The only difference is going to come is when we commit to the Lord. When we commit to him. And to his standards of righteousness. Not our own standards. So it was a very powerful, powerful message. That the Lord shared. The two of the greatest prophets of all time, the most treasured prophets of heaven. Elijah, I thank God they came, because we all, all of us, including myself, been led straight into hell with no chance. But the grace of God has appeared to all men, bringing salvation, and we thank the Lord so much. And if you heard the message, it's your first time hearing the message, not my message, the message from the mightiest, mightiest prophets that you heard earlier and this touch your heart, just repeat this short prayer to surrender your life to Jesus afresh. Even if you're a Christian where you realize you've fallen, just repeat these words after me. Mighty Lord Jesus, I repent, I have sinned against you, and I am a sinner. Please, Lord Jesus, wash me of all my sins, and cover me with the blood of Jesus. I repent for being filthy before your eyes, Lord. I repent for being a sinner. I repent for not being following your standards of righteousness. On this day, I receive you inside my heart as my Lord and Savior, as you command my footsteps into the kingdom of God, and in the mighty name of Jesus. I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I am born again. Amen. So if you said that prayer, blessed people, the best decision you've ever made in your life, continue following the Mightiest, Mightiest Prophets of the Lord, the services of the Lord on Repent Prepared Way every Wednesday and every Friday. You can hear it on JesusLordradio.info. You can always make time for the Lord. And to find a holy altar, even though the churches are not meeting, we still have online fellowship for the Ministry of Repentance and Holiness in USA. You can find a local altar near you all across the North America from Canada from the U.S., uh, from the West Coast to East Coast on repentusa.net for all the United States altar to the Lord and repentcanada.ca. And you'll connect with the pastor near you that will be teaching righteousness and holiness and repentance leading to the kingdom of God. It's been a great pleasure. I've been your host today. I'm very much privileged and humble. My name is Senior Pastor Tracer Craw.
2: Shalom.